you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want to show you some, uh, some symbols on the screen in just a moment this morning. And I don't want you to say what they are when you see them. I want you to think about it for a moment or two, and we'll see together if we can pass this test and recognize these symbols together. Are you ready? Show us our first symbol. Now, does anybody know, don't say it aloud yet, does anybody know what that means? It means what? Nike. Nike. Okay. Uh, let, let's see the next symbol. Now, think about it a moment. Make sure you, you know. We'll see how, how much uh, we are consumers here. What, what does this represent? Apple. And uh, another one. Show us the next symbol. That represents the, and then the next one, a nice cold cup of Starbucks. And then the last one, we love our church. All right. If you didn't get that one, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, so there, there are symbols for almost everything, but what is the symbol for Christianity? What is the symbol that stands for someone who has come to know Christ as his Savior and Lord? What is the symbol of our Christian faith? Well, that symbol is baptism. I mean, we could talk about the cross, and certainly that is a wonderful symbol. We could talk about the empty tomb, and that is an incredible symbol. And the cross and the empty tomb, of course, are are necessary for our faith. And, and we wear crosses around our necks. We have them in our church. I have one in my yard. You may have one in your yard as well. And all of those things are good. We should do those things. But there's only one thing that's prescribed in Scripture as the symbol for our Christian faith. And it's not a cross as important and valuable as that, as that symbol is. It's not an empty tomb as, as critical as that is. But it is baptism. So I want us to take some time this morning and just open up God's word and learn what we can learn about this one symbol that God has given to us, the symbol of baptism, which stands for the Christian faith and more particularly for our Christian faith, the symbol of baptism. So if you look in your Bible in Acts chapter 2, let's begin with verse 41. It says, so those who accepted his message were baptized. And on that day, 3,000 people were added to them. So we're going to back up and read some more verses in a moment, but the gospel has been presented. The church really starts here in Acts chapter 2. People have heard the gospel. They have been cut to the heart. They have made a decision. And how do they uh, celebrate that decision that they have made? They are baptized. Back up a few verses. Let's, let's begin reading in verse 37. Peter has just preached this incredible sermon about the gospel, about the crucifixion, the resurrection. And it says in verse 37, when they, the crowd, heard this, they were pierced to the hearts and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Now, <coughs> just to point something out right there. They heard the message, they heard the gospel, and they were pierced to their heart. That meant that the Holy Spirit came alongside this message, and in their heart of hearts, 
on the inside of who they were, they knew that it was true and they knew that the Holy Spirit was moving them to make a decision. And so they asked the question, what should we do? There are times for all of us when the Holy Spirit will move in our hearts, when we come to the place after hearing God's word presented and taught that we know that we need to make a decision. And we should have the same obedience, the same urgency that these people had. What should we do? And that's what we should do. Now, notice the next verse, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter says, repent and be baptized. Now the repentance here, if you look at the whole counsel of the New Testament, clearly speaks of all the things that go along with with responding to the gospel message. That we turn from our sins, that we trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross, that we have faith that Jesus Christ sacrifices enough for the forgiveness of our sins. We repent, turn to Christ, and then what does it say we should do? We should be baptized. And from this point forward in scripture, baptism is the celebration of Christian faith. In fact, it's mentioned 21 times in the next 20 chapters, baptism, baptism, baptism. From this point forward, this is the symbol uh, for the Christian faith. And so this morning, it's a very simple message, but I want to teach you four facts about this baptism. Four important things that we should know. I think these could be life-changing. And even if you've heard these before, and many of you have, even if you know these things, and many of you do, it's good to hear them anew. Because my prayer is that the Lord will cut to your heart like he cut to the heart of these people and bring us to the point of a decision. So that's the first thing we need to learn about baptism. It is this. Baptism is the identifying mark for a believer. Baptism is how you identify that somebody is a believer. So 3,000 people responded to this message here in Acts chapter 2. How many of those 3,000 who responded followed with baptism? Do you know? 3,000 of them. It wasn't half of them, it wasn't two-thirds of them, it wasn't even most of them, but 3,000 responded to the gospel, trusted in Christ, and all 3,000 were baptized. Why is that? Because baptism is the identifying mark of someone who has trusted Christ. It is the way a person who is a Christian, a Christ follower, celebrates and identifies uh, himself. Uh, one of the illustrations that uh, Meredith, who, who helps us teach our new members class, one of the illustrations that she uses that I, that I love when she talks about baptism is, is just the importance of a wedding ring. Now, many of you have on wedding rings. Your wedding ring uh, says something in our culture, and we all know what it says. It says that you are married, right? And we all wear it on our left hands. Uh, we wear it on this finger. I don't know why, but that's our cultural uh, expectation. You have on, if you're married, a wedding ring. Now, that wedding ring is not the same as your wedding. It's not the same as marriage. Uh, you are not married because you have on the ring. You have on the ring because you are married. 
Does that make sense? If I were to lose my wedding ring today, I would still be married. Maybe not happily married, but I would still be married, right? And if you were to pick up the ring, if I drop it on the floor and put it on, you do not get my wife, okay? So the ring, as important as it is, it is the identification. It is the mark that we are married. Our baptism is the mark, it is the, it is the identification that we are children of God, that we are saved. So sometimes people will ask, Pastor, uh, can you tell if a person is saved simply by looking at their baptism? Well, generally, yes. Now, there are false positives and false negatives, and you may or may not know what that means. There are some people who, uh, who uh, have been baptized and who are not saved. In fact, there are probably a good number of people who were baptized when they were younger and, and, and they, they never understood, they never really responded to the Lord. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. There are some false positives, but I think there are very few false negatives. A, a false negative would be someone who has trusted Christ, but who has never followed in believer's baptism. Now, there would be some occasions where that would happen. Maybe somebody has not been instructed well. Maybe somebody uh, has not yet had the opportunity to be baptized. But in most cases, since baptism is the identifying mark of a believer, if a person is not baptized, there's reason to question the genuineness and the validity uh, of, their, of their salvation. Just like a wedding ring. Let's talk about that for a moment again. If you see a person, an adult person, uh, with a ring on their left hand on that finger, you can be pretty sure that person is married, right? There would be some exceptions. There may be some unmarried people and you just really like to wear a gold ring on that finger and that's just what you do. Uh, so there would be some exceptions. And on the other hand, on the other side, there would be some exceptions. If you see an adult person without a ring on that finger, they probably are not married. There will be some exceptions. People who, uh, for whatever reason, just don't want to wear a wedding ring, and that's fine. It's a cultural thing. You don't have to wear a wedding, wedding ring. That's nowhere in the Bible. But generally, the wedding ring indicates their, uh, their, uh, their, their marriage status, right? And generally, pretty generally, our baptism indicates our salvation because if we are genuinely saved, the way we identify that biblically is we follow our salvation experience with believer's baptism. So the first thing we need to know is that believer's baptism is the identifying mark of a believer. The second thing is this, baptism is a celebration of salvation. Not only does it identify us, but it celebrates the fact that we have come to know Christ. You know, when something great happens in our lives, we celebrate. Uh, when you have a birthday, you celebrate, right? We had a birthday at my house this last week. My youngest daughter turned 14 and we celebrated. When uh, you have an anniversary, you celebrate. Uh, my wife and I will be married uh, soon, 25 years if we make it. And, um, and, and all indications are we will, um, but we're making plans now for how to celebrate. We really want to celebrate 25 years uh, of marriage. When something great happens, we, we celebrate. Well, the celebration for the greatest thing that can happen to you is baptism. 
The greatest thing in my life is not that I had three daughters. My, the greatest thing that happened in my life was not that uh, I met and married my, my wife. The, the greatest thing in my life, the greatest thing is that, is that God convicted my heart of my sin and the gospel was explained to me and I responded to what the Lord did and God saved me. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And how do I celebrate that? I celebrated it. Uh, with baptism. That's our celebration. Uh, you, you know, the next uh, few important things in my life, number one is my salvation that I was able to celebrate with, uh, with baptism. The next few uh, would be the salvation of my family. And I was able to baptize my wife. I was able to baptize all three of my daughters. Uh, because it, it is great because that's the celebration of, of, of our salvation, which is the most important thing. Now, sometimes people will say, well, do you have to be baptized, pastor? That's just not my personality. But listen, this is not a personality issue. Uh, if you celebrate anything, then of course you should be baptized. And let me tell you how we celebrate. Let me tell you how specifically it is a celebration by by walking through some of the mechanics of baptism. You may or may not know all of these, and I'm gonna give you six, but I could give you many more. First of all, when you walk into the water, and you saw it demonstrated just a few moments ago, when, you, when the person walks in the water, that stands for something. It stands for the fact that before we knew Christ, we were so badly in need of being washed, of being cleansed. We have the stain of sin in our lives. And when a person walks in the water, it's already a celebration. Even before the baptism uh, commences, the, the fact that they walk in the water is a, is, is a celebration of the fact that we were in such need of having our sins wash, washed away. And then secondly, when we confess Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, when I baptize, and you don't have to do it this way, a lot of different ways people do this, but I always ask people, what is your confession of faith? That comes from Romans 10, 9, where the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I always ask people, what is your confession of faith? And they say, Jesus is Lord. And so in that, we are announcing our faith. They don't become a Christian while they're there in the water. They've already done that. This is a celebration that comes afterwards. But when they say those three words, Jesus is Lord, that celebrates that they've put their faith and trust in Christ. When the pastor leans them back in the water, that reminds us that you can't save yourself. Have you ever wondered why we don't just let people baptize themselves? We can just get a bunch of people up there and just say one, two, three, you know, dip or something. And, and it would be quicker. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to change clothes seven times today uh, to get all the baby dedications and the baptisms. It would be much simpler if we just let people baptize themselves. Why don't we do that? Because the fact that somebody has to baptize you is a reminder that you can't save yourself. You can't clean yourself up. You can't, you can't turn over enough new leaves. You can't fix yourself enough. It takes somebody else. And the somebody else is Jesus Christ. And then as the person goes back into the water, it reminds us that the old person has died. 
that we have died with Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. Next Sunday, if the Lord allows, I'm going to preach a whole message on what it means to be crucified with Christ. Romans chapter 6. I don't think I've ever really explained this. I'm not sure I really have understood it fully until, until recent, uh, recent months. Uh, but we're going to talk about what it means that you have died with Christ. And it celebrates. It is celebrated in baptism when a person goes back. And then when we come out of the water, what is that a celebration of? We're a new creature in Christ, a new creation in Christ. We're a new person with a new nature. God has saved us. And then the water, what does the water remind us of? How does that celebrate our salvation? Well, it pictures the fact that our sins, past sins, present sins, future sins, have been washed away by the work of Christ on the cross. Uh, you know, there would be easier ways, cheaper ways to do baptism, right? Uh, we could uh, forego uh, heating a thousand gallons of water in our little Baptist jacuzzi back there and probably find some more simple way uh, to do baptism. But we would never do that because we want all of the celebration. We want all of the symbolism there. And we want to be excited, enthused, celebrating that we have been saved and the best way to do that is baptism. Now, I should just pause here for a moment and say that many of you, and just statistically speaking, many of you uh, have never been saved. And so the, 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 the idea of celebrating your salvation is, is a second step, but you haven't done the first step. In fact, Billy Graham uh, said often uh, that he believed that Maybe as many as half the people who attend church every week in America had never come to the place in their life where they had truly trusted Christ. And I, I, that number is not in the Bible, uh, so I, I don't know if it's true or not. It's hard to disagree with Billy Graham. I, I, I might pick a different number if uh, somebody asked me to pick. Uh, Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few find it. And so that certainly is in the Bible. But, but we have to stop here. We would be wrong not to stop here and say, as, as we're talking about, about baptism, we need each of us to be certain that we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. See, I think there are people who come to church every week who have tried really hard to straighten out their lives. Maybe they've even improved a little bit. Maybe they've even prayed a few prayers. Maybe they feel love and gratitude toward the Lord. Maybe they've experienced some emotions attached to their spiritual thinking. Maybe they've even believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but they've never fully trusted that the only way our sins can be forgiven is the blood of Jesus, and then surrendered their life. I want him to be my Lord. Not that I will never sin again, but I turn over the reins of my life to the Lord. I want him to be my boss. I want him to be my Lord. I surrender to him. And there's nothing more important that you could hear this morning. If, if you've not yet come to the place in your spiritual life where you have done that, nothing is more important. And when we talk about the celebration of baptism, my prayer is that the Lord will use that to cut into your heart and say, you need to be a Christ follower. You need to put your trust in Christ so you too can celebrate the full forgiveness of sin. You know, salvation is not something we just ease into. 
think a lot of people think that they just a little bit at a time. I'll come to church and, and I'll go to a Sunday school class and I'll read my Bible occasionally. And I'll just ease into this. It's never presented that way in scripture. Uh, baptism is not something, or salvation rather, is not something that happens by osmosis. Uh, you, you don't just absorb a little bit of it over time. It's not something you get by inheritance. It's not because your parents were, were Christ followers. When Jesus described salvation early in his ministry, John chapter 3, he said it was like being born again. And we use that phrase, born again, so often I'm afraid it loses its meaning. But just think about it. What would it be like to be born again? We just celebrated these, these newborn babies and when they were born, they were born. It wasn't sort of over the last three or four years, they've sort of kind of come into existence. No, there was a hospital room and there were four people in there and then bang, there were five people in there. It just happened, maybe not exactly like that, but it, but, but, but it was an all of a sudden event. And in our spiritual lives, there has to be this all of a sudden event where we put our trust in Jesus and we are born again. If you've not done that, I want to help you do that this morning. And so let's, let's do this. I know it's the middle of the message, but let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes because I want this to be a, a decision that you pause and think about. I don't want us to rush past this. If you have never fully trusted Christ, but you know that it's time, you have a heart to trust Christ. That's why you're here this morning then Christ listens to the cry of your heart and you can pray a prayer with me like this. Father, I know I'm guilty of sin and I know that there's nothing I can do to, to erase that guilt. I can't be good enough. I can't pay for my past sin. My sin deserves death and it's, it's bound up in me. My only hope is what Jesus has done. And so I trust him and his sacrifice on the cross. I may not even fully understand how that can be applied to my life, but I know that without that, I have no hope. So I trust him. And so my life, I give it to you. I surrender to you. I won't always do the right thing. I won't always go the right direction. But I submit and surrender to you. You are my Lord. And listen, church, the Bible says if we pray that prayer, that the Lord Jesus Christ will forgive us and save us for all of eternity. What a great thing. You can look up here. Baptism is a celebration of our salvation. Number three, very quickly, baptism is a proclamation of our faith. Have you ever wondered why people wear um, hats and shirts and logos for their, for their favorite uh, sports team? Uh, maybe, um, maybe you've got your lumberjack uh, hat uh, in, in your car or you've got your uh, Aggie shirt that you wear on the weekends. Uh, people put up yard signs and, and bumper stickers. Why do we do that? Well, not just to celebrate our team, but to proclaim. We want people to know we are a lumberjack. We pull for our team. Count us, count on us. We want to proclaim to the world what our favorite sports team is. But baptism is, is similar. It's, it's not just an identification. It is that. It's not just a celebration. It certainly is that. But it's also a proclamation. 
It is the way we tell the world that we are with Christ. We proclaim that. Uh, when Mason was baptized uh, a moment or two ago uh, at the beginning of the service, he was proclaiming to you and to the city of Nacogdoches that I am a follower uh, of Christ. It's interesting that, that the Bible connects our salvation with our proclamation over and over and over. Uh, we, we looked at Romans 10, 9 a moment ago, but listen to it again. If you confess with your mouth, that's your proclamation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. See, it, it connects what you proclaim, Jesus is Lord, with your salvation. Those two things are connected. The proclamation of our salvation is baptism. Now, Jesus says it in a much more pointed way. Listen to this. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Well, what does that mean? That means that 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 our proclamation, which is our baptism and our salvation are connected. When we're baptized, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not that we are saved because we're baptized, but we are baptized because we're saved. It's not that we're saved because we went through the waters, but if we're saved, there will be a proclamation that accompanies our salvation and the biblical proclamation is baptism. And so baptism is a proclamation of our faith. And then number four, baptism is a first step of obedience. You know, people often will ask me, why should I be baptized? And I say, well, there are a lot of good reasons to be baptized. Identification, you want to identify yourself as a Christian. Uh, celebration, that greatest thing has ever happened has happened to you. You're saved and you should celebrate that. The biblical way, baptism, it's the way you proclaim your faith. Go public with your faith. But listen, church, there is an even more important reason, and that's obedience. The Bible commands us to be baptized, right? We, we just read Acts 2.38, which says, uh, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. And those who love the Lord, listen, those who love the Lord will have a heart to be obedient to him. 1 John 5.3, this is what the love for God is, to keep his commands. When I lead somebody to Christ, when I help lead somebody to come to know Christ, the first thing I talk to them about once they have trusted in Christ is, is baptism. And somebody might say, well, certainly, Pastor, there are other issues you could talk to them about at that point, and, and there are. We could talk about reading the Bible, and we could talk about prayer, and all those are in very important issues. But why do I start with baptism? If you come to me and ask, how can I know Christ as, as my Savior, and I share the gospel with you, and you pray, the first thing me and you will talk about, or the next thing, rather, that me and you will talk about is baptism. Why is that? Well, because baptism serves almost as a litmus test to the genuineness of the decision that you've just made. You know, anybody can pray a prayer, right? Anybody can say words. That all by itself doesn't make a person saved. It, 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 has to be, it has to be heartfelt. It has to be serious. And one of the ways that you can know is this litmus test of, of, of baptism. If somebody says in one breath, 
Lord, I surrender to you and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then with the very next breath says, but I won't do that. Then there's reason to call the first commitment into question. Does that make sense? How can you say in one breath, Jesus is Lord, and then in the very next breath, no, I will not be obedient to your command for baptism. I will not do that. So maybe the most important reason we should be baptized is simply to be obedient to the command uh, that the Lord gives us in Scripture. And so this really raises a, a whole other subject, and this is the subject of order. If, if baptism is the first command, then that tells us that there's some order involved in this. You see, if baptism is, uh, is, is an obedience, the first step, if baptism is the celebration of our salvation, then baptism has to follow salvation. Now listen to this, because I think a lot of people have gotten this mixed up and, 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 and it's, it's causing great spiritual harm in their lives, in the lives of their family, and, and maybe even the broader Christian community. Oftentimes people will be baptized as a child. And while I believe that many or most of the, of the baptisms as children that we have here are, are, are genuine and authentic, oftentimes people are baptized before they really understand, before they're really saved. And, and, and many of you could, could testify to that, that you were baptized and then later came to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But listen, let's get the order correct. Your baptism has to come first. And I'm sorry, your salvation has to come first. And then your baptism follows the salvation. So what if, what if a person had been baptized young and then later in high school or college or as a young adult or last week, you responded to the gospel and you were saved. Listen, you've not been biblically baptized because baptism, biblical proper baptism has to follow salvation. The order matters. If baptism is the first step of obedience, if baptism is the celebration of something that's happened, then baptism has to happen after a person is saved. Now you might say, Pastor, is that really a big deal? Yes, it's a big deal. It's a big deal biblically, it's a big deal. Spiritually, it's a big deal. It is important to the Lord. And I think one of the struggles, one of the reasons why some people struggle in their Christian uh, life is because they have this, this first area of obedience wrong because they have this disobedience in their lives that just sort of hangs over them like a cloud. And it's not that God is mad at them. It's not that you're going to lose your salvation, but it's that it's difficult for you to grow and flourish in your faith with this disobedience hanging over your life for years and sometimes for decades. My ministry, I've been uh, honored, privileged to baptize hundreds of people. And I can tell you that many of those uh, were people who had been saved years earlier, but never properly baptized. Their, bapti their baptism was out of order, out of sync with their genuine, their authentic day of salvation. And I've seen those people baptized and experienced such joy and such growth in their spiritual life, such, such freedom and peace 
because they finally got that one point of disobedience turned around to obedience. And I've seen it with teenagers and young adults. I've seen it with middle adults and senior adults all the way up. Because as long as that disobedience hangs over our head, there's just something that won't be right as we seek to grow as a, as a Christian. You should be baptized if you've not been scripturally baptized for you, for the peace and the joy that comes with knowing you've done everything you know to do to walk in obedience, full obedience with the Lord. You should do it for your family. I can tell you stories of, of moms and dads, of, of grandparents who have stepped forward and been obedient in this area and, and their example of obedience, what an impact God has been able to make with that in the lives of their family. I, I, I want to be obedient for, for, for me, but I also want to live a life of obedience for my wife and my girls and the people around me. This isn't, this isn't just me. It's, it's, it's the people whose lives are impacted by my life. I want them to see that, that I am humbled myself at the point of obedience. And it is for the glory of the Lord. When a person chooses to celebrate their salvation by being baptized, whether their, their salvation happened 10 minutes ago or, or, or three decades ago, it brings glory and honor to the Lord when someone is biblically baptized. You know, before we wrap this up, I, I, I want to look at this just, just sort of from a philosophical point of view. We, we've looked at it biblically, and not that this won't be biblical, but... But, but, but sometimes people just want to know why would God come up with such a strange way to celebrate? I mean, if you think about baptism, it's, it's very public. I mean, that's one of the reasons why some people just don't want to do it. It's such a public thing. It's, front of, it's in front of hundreds of people. It's, it's a little bit odd. You're getting in a, in a big pool of water in front of people. Why would God come up with something like this? It's so visual, it's so objective, it's so black and white. Either you've done it or you haven't. It's, it, it's, a, it's a public thing. Well, I think the reason is because there's this tendency for faith to become private and mysterious and, this, and that it would become this fuzzy matter of the, of the heart if you ask people if they have a relationship with the Lord, most people, Nacogdoches, will say yes. But if you ask them to tell you about it, oftentimes they'll get very vague. And they'll talk about their feelings or some uncertain beginnings. When did you have, when did your relationship with God begin? And they don't know. And what effect has it had in your life? And they, they don't know. Well, listen, that kind of vague spirituality is the enemy of true Christianity. And baptism is the antidote to that because it is public. Because you're saying to the world, I'm a follower of Christ. No, no uh, cloak and dagger, no sort of, kind of, no mystery, no, no, no behind the scenes. It's a public, once for all, clear, you've either done it or you haven't done it. I think it's the antidote to the kind of... Uh, wishy-washy, unbiblical, vague spirituality that, that is just damning people today. And so church, I want to do something that we don't do often here. Um, I want to call you today uh, to a public commitment. I want to call you today to make a public decision. 
it's, it's interesting in the book of Acts chapter 8, uh, these two men, Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, were, were, were traveling down the road and, and Philip shared the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch and, and he responded, okay? And, and we're familiar with that. Many of us have responded to the gospel. Uh, but there was an urgency. L- listen to these two verses. It says, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And so we ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. What I want you to see there is there was some urgency to this. There wasn't a whole list of reasons why we need to wait. There was an urgency. And whatever kind of decision the Lord may have put upon your heart today, listen, let's have some urgency to this. That's true Christianity. And if, if, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior this morning, let's, let's know about that. Let's celebrate that. Let's make it public. If you need somebody to pray with you, to help you come to that place in your spiritual life, then let's do that today. Let's be public about it. If, if you have not been biblically baptized, then today... Today, we won't baptize you today, but let's make it public today. Let's step forward and say, I want to be obedient, fully obedient to God. And my baptism out of order for whatever kind of reason, a bunch of years ago, and it doesn't matter the reasons, what matters is that today I want to get this, I want to make it right. Maybe God's led you to join our church. You know, we, we've had people come. We have people come week and week and month and month and month and, and, and maybe today. And we have a process here. You come to a new member class and we want to sit down and hear your testimony and those kind of things. But you can take the first step today and say, I want to be a member. I want to unite with this church. You know, there comes a time when we just have to decide. I know there are reasons why uh, it's hard. I thought of just a couple, two or three. Uh, for some people, the, the thing that fights against this is just our pride. Maybe you're thinking, I, well, I, I don't want somebody to know. I'm prideful. I don't want somebody to know that I don't have this right in my life. Well, listen, the people around you in this church will celebrate because you're getting it right in your life. I promise you. Uh, nobody's going to think less of you. They're going to be thankful that you have the humility and the courage to step forward and say, I want to make that right in my life. Maybe somebody would have the attitude of procrastination. I am procrastinating. We often think that there will be a better time. I'm going to do that, just what that pastor said. I'm not going to do it today, but I'm going to do it. Now listen, I I want to be your friend, but let me be your pastor for a moment. That's a lie. If you were going to do it, you'd have already done it, right? I mean, this isn't the first time this has popped in your mind. No, it I'm not saying that the Lord won't move in your heart a week from now or a month from now, but I'm telling you, if he's moving in your heart today, it is because today you need to respond to the Lord. He may not be moving in your heart a week from now or a month from now. Your heart might not be beating a month from now. If he's moving in your heart to procrastinate is to further your disobedience before the Lord. It means that one more day is a day of disobedience. It means that your family that they fail to benefit from your obedience one more day, one more day. And then finally, people will say, well, I, Pastor, I'm just not prepared. I know we, 
We think oftentimes when a spiritual decision, when we have an opportunity to make a spiritual decision, we think, well, there are some things I need to do to get prepared for this. I need, to, I need to straighten out my life. I need to straighten out my marriage. I need to get some things right in this relationship. I need to take care of some sin that's in my life. I, there's all kind of preparation I need to make. But listen, listen, church. No, Jesus has made all the preparation that needs to be made. When Jesus hung on the cross, he prepared. He prepared the way. You don't need to fix anything. You just need to come to Christ. Christ will fix things. Christ will change things. Christ will change your relationship. Christ will clean up the mess. It starts with you trusting Christ. It's, if, if your thinking is, it starts with me cleaning things up, and then you will never come to Christ. It starts with Christ. You are not unprepared because Jesus has made all the preparations that need to be made. Now, let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I, and I'm, I'm, I, I want everybody to do that. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing, and Andre and our, and our leaders are going are to lead us. And I don't know that we've done this in my, my two and a half years as your pastor, but, but we're doing it now. We're going to stand up, and I'm going to ask you if there's a spiritual decision that you need to make just to step forward. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to say something uh, to, to the church. But, but we want you to make a public decision this morning. And you're making a public decision. You stepping forward and talking to one of our counselors. We'll have several here at the front. You stepping forward will help somebody else make the decision and the commitment that they need to make. And if you've been in this church for one day or you've been in here for 50 years... Listen, if the Lord has put a decision on your heart, I want you to make it. If you're sitting in the balcony, on the floor, in the choir, in the orchestra, if there's a decision, I don't want you to hesitate. Just step forward. Just share, just in a sentence with somebody here at the front, privately. Hey, here's the decision that God's laid on my heart. There are people here today who are lost that need to be saved. There are people whose eternities will hinge on today. Please respond to the Lord. There are people here today whose baptism is out of order. And maybe you didn't realize it was a big deal, or maybe you've just been uncomfortable with the thought of being baptized in front of friends and family. But listen, there's something the Lord wants to do in your heart that, and in your life that he can't do until you take a step of obedience, this step of obedience. If your baptism is out of order, I want you to step out as soon as we begin to sing. Maybe God's led you to join our church. Let this be the first step. You come and share with one of these here in the front. Father in heaven, I pray that your Holy Spirit will so work in our hearts and our lives that we'll respond. Don't let us have an excuse. Don't let us be irresponsible. But let us hold tight to you and respond to what the Holy Spirit's leading us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. The people around you will let you out. You just motion to them. Mark is up here. Others are up here. We invite you to come.